Section 218 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain Letter 308 London, March 15, 1768 My dear friend, This letter is supplemental to my last. This morning Lord Weymouth very civilly sent Mr. Wood, his first commis, to tell me that the King very willingly gave you leave of absence from your post for a year, for the recovery of your health, but then added, that as the court of Vienna was tampering with that of Saxony, which it seems our court is desirous to contracore, it might be necessary to have in the interim a charge d'affaires at Dresden, with a defalcation out of your appointment of forty shillings a day, till your return, if I would agree to it. I told him that I consented to both the proposals, upon condition that at your return you should have the character and the pay of a plenipotentiary added to your present character and pay, and that I would completely make up to you the defalcation of the forty shillings a day. He positively engaged for it, and added that he knew that it would be willingly agreed to. Thus I think I have made a good bargain for you, though but an indifferent one for myself, but that is what I never minded in my life. You may therefore append upon receiving from me the full of this defalcation, when and how you please, independently of your usual annual refreshment, which I will pay to Monsieur Larpent whenever you desire it, in the meantime, cura ut valius. The person whom Mr. Wood intimated to me would be the charge d'affaires during your absence is one Mr. Keith, the son of that Mr. Keith who was formerly minister in Russia. Letter 309. London, April 12, 1768. My dear friend, I received yesterday your letter of the first, in which you do not mention the state of your health, which I desire you will do for the future. I believe you have guessed the true reason of Mr. Keith's mission, but by a whisper that I have since heard, Keith is rather inclined to go to Turin, as charge d'affaires. I forgot to tell you in my last that I was almost positively assured that the instant you returned to Dresden, Keith should decamp. I am persuaded that they will keep their words with me, as there is no one reason in the world why they should not. I will send your annual to Mr. Larpent in a fortnight, and pay the forty shillings a day quarterly if there should be occasion, for in my own private opinion there will be no charge d'affaires sent. I agree with you that point d'argent, point d'allemande, as was used to be said, and not without more reason, of the Swiss, but as we have neither the inclination nor, I fear, the power to give subsidies, the court of Vienna can give good things that cost them nothing, as archbishoprics, bishoprics, besides corrupting their ministers and favorites with places." Elections here have been carried on to a degree of frenzy hitherto unheard of. That for the town of Northampton has cost the contending parties at least thirty thousand pounds aside, and has sold his borough of, to two members, for nine thousand pounds. As soon as Wilkes had lost his election for the city, he set up for the country of Middlesex and carried it hollow, as the jockeys say. Here were great mobs and riots upon that occasion, and most of the windows in town broke that had no lights for Wilkes and Liberty, who were thought to be inseparable. He will appear, the tenth of this month, in the court of King's Bench, to receive his sentence, and then great riots are again expected, and probably will happen. God bless you. Letter 310. Bath, October 17, 1768. My dear friend, your last two letters, to myself and Grevenkop, have alarmed me extremely. But I comfort myself a little, by hoping that you, like all people who suffer, think yourself worse than you are. A dropsy never comes so suddenly, 
and I flatter myself that it is only that gouty or rheumatic humour which has played you so long, that has occasioned the temporary swelling of your legs. Above forty years ago, after a violent fever, my legs swelled as much as you describe yours to be. I immediately thought that I had a dropsy, but the faculty assured me that my complaint was only the effect of my fever, and would soon be cured, and they said true. Pray let your amanuensis, whoever he may be, write an account regularly once a week, either to Grevenkop or myself, for that is the same thing, of the state of your health. I sent you, in four successive letters, as much of the Duchess of Somerset's snuff as a letter could well convey to you. Have you received all or any of them, and have they done you any good? Though in your present condition you cannot go into company, I hope that you have some acquaintances that come and sit with you. For if originally it was not good for a man to be alone, it is much worse for a sick man to be so. He thinks too much of his distemper and magnifies it. Some men of learning among the ecclesiastics, I dare say, would be glad to sit with you, and you could give them as good as they brought. Poor Hart, who is here still, is in a most miserable condition. He has entirely lost the use of his left side, and can hardly speak intelligibly. I was with him yesterday. He inquired after you with great affection, and was in the utmost concern when I showed him your letter. My own health is as it has been ever since I was here last year. I am neither well nor ill, but unwell. I have in a manner lost the use of my legs, for, though I can make a shift to crawl upon even ground for a quarter of an hour, I cannot go up or down stairs, unless supported by a servant. God bless and grant you a speedy recovery. Note. This is the last of the letters of Lord Chesterfield to his son, Mr. Philip Stanhope, who died in November, 1768. The unexpected and distressing intelligence was announced by the lady to whom Mr. Stanhope had been married for several years, unknown to his father. On learning that the widow had two sons, the issue of this marriage, Lord Chesterfield took upon himself the maintenance of his grandchildren. The letters which follow show how happily the writer adapted himself to the trying situation. End of section 218. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.